Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. There are two ways of spreading light. To be the candle or the mirror that reflects it. And that's a quote by one of my favorite, favorite authors, Edith Wharton. And I want to thank you again to The Profitable Photographer. I am so excited about our guest today. Before I share the excitement that you're going to feel when you meet her, um, I just want to remind you that if you want to chat with me about anything, just go to lucydumascoaching.com and I would love to connect. If you want me to review your website, talk to you about your pricing, I'm always good to go with that or anything else. Okay, let me tell you about this wonderful human. Alicia Haskett is a diversity boudoir educator, international boudoir photographer, and a speaker. She founded the Coterie Noir, which is an educational boudoir community that fundamentally changes how the broader boudoir community captures Black women's essence. In 23, which is this year, she launched the CCP, Coterie Credential Program to certify boudoir photographers in capturing Black women as they are without bias. I just love that. And we're going to get into some of the issues in her modules. Some of them are Black feminism, hair, makeup, colorism, body positivity, ethical considerations in retouching, and allyship. So... Welcome, and thank you so much for saying yes to being on my show. Thank you for hosting. I appreciate having you. You're welcome. So we've been listening to Alicia in 97 countries. So I'm excited that this is this is a worldwide opportunity for people to upgrade what they know about yes. some stuff. <laughs> so first question, I just love to know your background, how you got into photography, Mm-hmm. Um, and just those kind of those kind of things that people like to know. Of course. So I my degree is actually in photography. Oh, wow. um, yeah, still paying for that. But my degree <laughs> is in photography. Um, I graduated in 2007, and then went back and got my master's. And then 2009, everything happened. So I went mm-hmm. into weddings. And that was that was a lot. So mm-hmm. that was something that I, I appreciated because I, I did learn how to deal with a lot of people at one time and yes. expectation, setting expectations mm-hmm. um, and also meeting expectations and then exceeding expectations. And from there, went into family portraiture. And 20, 2017 is when I really said, I'm just going to do boudoir because I've been doing boudoir off and on but never like I am now, which is my focus. And so mm-hmm. 2017 was, I'm, I'm just going to focus on boudoir. And then that was also the year that I decided I'm just going to focus on capturing Black women. And from there, it just expanded into mm-hmm. everything that it's become, which, you know, they say, tell God what you want. And that is what you don't get. You get something else. So this right. has been like a, a roller coaster of things that come mm-hmm. into play with 
just focusing on boudoir since 2017. I love it. So your work is so gorgeous. Thank you. Um, Why do you think boudoir is your happy place? I think it's my happy place because it allows me to have a connection with Mm -hmm. other women. I think that for me, that's so important because my my best friends are my sisters and my mom. Mm. So I've always had that space to be connected with other women. Um, and I love to help them and to guide them in the space of seeing themselves as they are now and not when they lose, you know, 10, 15 pounds and or the things that we no. have to do. Yes. And, the, you know, and so getting them to really understand like you as you are now is enough mm-hmm. and as you are now being this version of yourself is okay. You do not have to change to be someone else. And having those conversations allows me to reflect on my own self-worth and it Mm. guides me into how I'm doing the work that I want to do to that inner healing and helping them also do the same. So for me, it's really just a labor of love to say, you know, I see you, like I see you as you are Mm -hmm. and that's enough. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to be anything else just as you are is, is good. And you can stay in that space or you can, you know, do something else. But for here right now is good. Mm. That's um, gosh, what woman doesn't need all that yeah. <laughs> and, and men, but especially, yeah. us. you know, when I think about my lifetime of, am I beautiful enough? Am I thin enough? Am I this enough? And realizing the question itself is one I wish I had never needed or felt like I needed to even ask. Yes. So I love what you're doing, which is to help people just like establish, okay, we're going to check this off our list. Mm -hmm. I'm fine just like I am. Okay, now let's go, you know, let's stop thinking about that and just go do what we're supposed to do in the world and love and have fun and create and whatever. Uh, So much energy wasted, I'll admit, on even when I'm on Zoom and it's like, Oh, am I lit right? Is I, is you know, uh, and I can say where does that come from? But I know, you know, as women, we're we're uh, like men are visual, and yes, you know, yes. I mean, there's since the history of men, and I know then for black women, you know, there's an even deeper history, and I yes. really loved the '60s and '70s when. Black is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Was like, you know what? Dang it, <laughs> we yes. are beautiful, and let's celebrate that. And so, I love that you're part of a movement mm-hmm. in the direction for everybody of we're cool, just the way we are. Yeah. Yes. 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 Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Summed up perfectly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did you think you? had that shift or what was the big shift for you? Uh, For me, it was really, like I said, in 2017, 2016, I got a divorce. And so 2017, it was, okay, now what? Like now, Mm -hmm. what does, what is this? How, who am I? Um, And so it was a, a, for me, it was like a reinvention after 30. So it was really like, now, how do I feel about my body? How do I feel about myself? outside of me being in a relationship with this person and what their feelings were. Now I have to really focus on myself. And so for me, that that was like something I had never done before. 
Mm. And it was trial and error type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I like this. Maybe I don't like this. I, I like how this feels in my body. Maybe I don't like how this feels in my body. And understanding what I wanted and not what my partner, my ex-partner wanted, but really who was I outside mm-hmm. of him? And so that journey sort of took me into a new space of just reimagining what life could be like for me outside of, you know, this marriage and understanding that I could do whatever I wanted. Like I could Mm -hmm. be whoever I wanted because I was reinventing myself. And so that was just for me was a a pivotal moment for me to just sit in that and say, I am, I'm good. Like I'm enough as I am and Mm -hmm. I don't need one's validation. And so that really allowed me to focus on myself and what my version of sensuality was, because I didn't know before that. I just assumed based on someone else's um, what they wanted, their opinions. But now Mm -hmm. it's like, no, what do I want as a person? How do I connect with that version of myself? So what did you discover? Is there anything that you can actually? Uh, I, I really discovered that I just didn't care what other people thought about me. <laughs> I just didn't. Uh, it was a lot to deal with, though. I will say that because once you've been in a relationship for that long, you you have to take it one step at a time. So I learned a right. lot of grace, like giving myself grace, forgiving mm-hmm. myself, knowing that there were things that they, I could have done different. And that really helped me to process like the way I feel about my body, the way I love my body Mm -hmm. um, and all of those things that came with that. So that was a really big thing. It's like forgiveness and grace of the things that I've said or I've looked at my body and not liked my body. That really. Yeah, I had an experience. um, I imagine you've heard of Big Sur in California. Yes. The the coast. And there's Mm -hmm. a not not really resort, but a personal growth community called Esalon. Mm-hmm. And they they have um, hot tubs. It's right on the mm-hmm. edge of the ocean and you don't wear, I was going to say pajamas, <laughs> you don't wear bathing suits. And I was there with a friend mm-hmm. and we actually snuck in and, <laughs> and there were three other women and him and me Mm -hmm. and at each of those women I looked on them with envy yeah because one was thin one was I can remember from the backwards because I was like oh gosh I wish this 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 and then I realized each one of those women could look at me with some envy because one of them was flat-chested and I'm a curvy Mm -hmm. girl yes one of them was physically um challenged and mm-hmm. I you know fit. Mm-hmm. and one mm-hmm. of them was much older and I was younger and it was a big awareness that that you know that it was really stupid but it, you know I give myself some grace for all of that but that was a big eye-opener yep so, yeah uh let's see I got so many good questions here <laughs> um so tell me why you think the CPP is needed this credential did I pronounce mm-hmm. it coterie? coterie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the coterie new eye. Coterie. <laughs> Say it again. Coterie noir. Coterie noir. Yes. Why do you think that credential program is needed or where did that like brainchild come from? It actually started because I was in a program um, 
through, it was called Walker's Legacy. And Walker's Legacy, the the way they are set up is they are trying to help Black-owned businesses that are owned by women get to the next level to expand. Mm. And so I went there, you know, not really knowing what was going to happen, but it was a free program. And I was like, I want to, you know, meet with other people, meet with other women because I was working by myself. And I I just, I knew I needed a a better community. And um, through that program, I changed my business name, rebranded. And one of the things that kept coming up once I spoke to one of the marketing um, people there was, you know, why don't you start and have a certification? And I was like, that sounds Mm -hmm. like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work and yeah. I'm not, I just don't want to do that. So he said, you know, I think that you should do it because of the way that you're moving and you're progressing right now, with what you are doing, it would make logical sense that this would be the next step. And so I, I took a lot of time trying to figure it out um, because I started the Code of Renewal started with Boudoir for Black Women. And that was the original name. And then we transitioned into the Coterie Noir. And that was because I was in a uh, boudoir Facebook group of almost 10,000 photographers. But each and every person who was an educator was either a white male or a white woman. And they had one person who was a black woman. um, And I think she was talking about retouching black skin. Mm -hmm. And it kind of shook me to my core because I said, this is interesting. I know that there are, at that time, I didn't know many Black boudoir photographers, but I, I thought to myself, there has to be a way that there are other people who are educators who are, who are doing this work. And this cannot be because I know that there we are talented. And so it started from there with creating an Instagram page and then creating now the website and now moving into the CCP. And I, I found that when I was doing speaking engagements, I would be in a room with just maybe five other people of color. Um, and that was it. And it would be a hundred people in the space. And the questions that kept coming up, the questions were about touch, retouching. The questions were about lighting, hair, um, makeup. And I realized that a lot of people just didn't know. They just don't know about right. our skin. They don't know about our hair. Um, and sometimes when they are talking to us about our hair and makeup, they are hesitant to act because they don't want to sound, they don't want to come off sounding rude. They don't want to come off sounding racist, but they have questions. And mm-hmm. I always say, you know, if you have a question, a lot of people say go to Google, but Google can only do so much. Yeah. Like there is always information that you need from a, a person who experiences these things. And you can't always trust Google to give you that because Google is an ad agency. That's what they want. They want you to buy things. They want you to yeah. you know. And so I realized that a lot of the questions that continue to come up needed to be answered in a way that one, allowed people to work on their own. So it's a self-guided uh, certification. Okay. And if they have questions they can still go in and either find those questions or come back into our community and say, hey, I had a question about this. This doesn't make sense to me. Or is this what you meant when you said this? And so I wanted there to be a space where people could understand that it is different when you are shooting Black women. And you do need to be aware of the things that you're doing or saying um, with hair, makeup. Like You need a, a hairstylist that can do all textures of hair. It's mm-hmm. not just someone saying that they can, but they can't show you any work where they're doing other people's hair. The right. same thing with makeup, like makeup. I, there's a part in the certification where I'm showing a video of someone from uh, Fashion Week. And this was, I think, this year for Fashion Week. And 
she is a, a model. And even at that point, she got her makeup done and it was, she was so whitewashed. The person just put a pound of like powder and things on her uh. face in 2023. It's so just like, this is crazy. And she was so upset. And it was interesting to me because, you know, she's a person that you would see walking the runways. And it's just confusing to me how this person who's supposed to be the top professional to work in New York Fashion Week cannot do makeup for us or doesn't want to. So it could be either way. Mm -hmm. And and then you see that and you like if she's doing this if this is happening to someone who gets paid thousands of dollars to walk a runway, I can imagine how this is happening to a black woman who's coming to someone to get their pictures done and how that can feel to say, I want my hair, I want my makeup done and I'm paying for this service, but this person doesn't know how to and they're not being honest about it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is something that needs to be addressed at all times because our clients want to feel beautiful. Absolutely. And beautiful by your own definition. Yes. 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 Um, okay. So you actually started uh, what I was going to ask you, which was some specific like bullet point things to know. So number one is you need a makeup artist and yes. a stylist that understands textured hair and makeup for black skin. And, and because you have a rainbow of colors, yes. I imagine somebody that doesn't just have, I've got these two colors. Now, at least in this day and age, there is makeup for yes. a rainbow of people. Cause yes. I know that was, that was a lot. New. That's <laughs> new in the history of the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So number two, I'll just ask on this, is there something specific we need to understand about lighting? I think the biggest thing, um, especially when it, I would say when it comes to retouching, because that's usually where people get it wrong, um, mm. is that they will either, what I like to call, um, they will wash us out. So they they will go in with retouching. And especially for, even for me, like I have a, a my skin color is different in the winter than it is in the summer. That's just mm -hmm. what it is. And then on top of that, we have hyperpigmentation. So my chest to my neck, to my cheeks, to my forehead are all different shades. And so when you are, that's why it's important to have a makeup artist that understands that, that can work with that. Right. And then when you're looking, you know, you're, you're retouching and you're trying to go in and you realize that, oh, wow, like this person is totally different colors from what I'm seeing in my camera to what I'm seeing on my screen. And now I'm mm -hmm. retouching and something is not right. So a lot of times people will um, tend to go much lighter than the person's skin actually is, mm -hmm. or they will put a preset. And a lot of the presets are just not made for dark skin, like at mm -hmm. all. It doesn't even matter if they're black. It could be any person of color. They're just not made. As long as you have melanin, a lot of times what I see is they'll turn our skin orange yeah. and we'll post that. And it's like, it's amazing. But I'm like, the picture is beautiful, but the retouching is just not what it's supposed to be. And so that's where you get a lot of issues with the lighting or um, sometimes I'll see they'll make us darker. Like if someone has a dark and moody type of style and then it goes yeah. way too dark. And so you lose the details of the person's face. Um, especially if that person is like a richer, deeper skin tone. And then they try to work with that, but it's like, it doesn't really work because you're not being true to this person's skin tone. You're, you're trying for right. something 
which is not working. Right, right. Mm -hmm. I see people make the mistake of, um, like, let's say I've done groups where Mm -hmm. uh, the mom was a different color than the dad, and then they had children, and maybe one Mm -hmm. was from a previous marriage. Yes. We're trying to do a family portrait. And in the studio, you know, putting the lightest person on the left side where the brightest light is. Yes. yes. (laughs) Putting the darker people in the back where the light falls off. And, you know, there's just some like duh logic about, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. get the darker people closer up over to the light. Um, I, I find some of the, I wouldn't say challenges, but. I I have a program I love called Totally Rad Actions. Mm-hmm. And it it can take out orange, it can take out like I don't know why white men tend to be so red in mm. in digital photography. So you can take out red and finding that balance where the someone's super light where they don't end up looking like you know just so pale and yes. someone's very dark having it so they look like themselves yes but yet in a photograph you're not looking at like contrast you know it's a, yeah so i spend a good deal of time uh yeah. finding that balance between it because we've got this two-dimensional artificial product mm-hmm. and so we can't just be like here just stand there click i also find that people sometimes err on putting people with darker skin against light backgrounds. Yes. And that's just crazy to me. Is that crazy to you? <laughs> it happens. I think it happens because people want to show such a, a large contrast. Right. And and instead of thinking about the person individually, they're thinking mm-hmm. about the concept instead of thinking, you know, what would this person look good in, I would say. Right. Um, but I see that it's funny because I see that in the CCP, we talk about that with like even celebrities where I, we have pictures of, of celebrities where they've done this, where they've lightened their skin or they put them into spaces that really don't make sense. Like even celebrities like Beyonce, how they yeah. change her skin tone to make her lighter for a L'Oreal commercial. Um, I think it was for hair yeah. and they made her lighter. Yeah. And like, who is this lady? Cause that is not, the Beyonce that we know. And so it happens. It happens to a lot of people, even celebrities. Yeah. Well, that cultural bias Mm -hmm. um, is a thing. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Somebody was just in the wax museum. Um, Uh, Who was that? And they were, I know the rock because I remember seeing that on Facebook. Yeah. It was the rock. Yeah. Was it? Okay. I know. I saw it. Yeah. And they, they, took it back and they made him look like himself more. <laughs> so, yeah. And so what I appreciate the way you're sharing is I'm, I'm getting that if I were listening to this, I would realize there's practical yes. things. And at the same time, there's, there's deeper things to yes. consider. Now with the lighting yeah, I guess we touched on that a- enough. And for me, I learned, you know, to make sure there's good lighting. I'm, I love natural light and I love finding when the eyes just pop. You have great 
light set up there. My glasses are too. <laughs> I love a 10, a 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock catch light. That's my happy place in the world. What I love about darker skin is mm-hmm. it's more forgiving in, yes. in hotter light. Yes. It, you can, you don't have to wait till that last 30 seconds of sweet light. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you know, that, that's the bonus. Uh, okay. So posing. So number one is hair and makeup. And if you, you know, make sure that's covered right. Yes. Retouching. So let's talk about, oh, wait, no, I want to go to, back to retouching a little okay. story. So before people were getting booty implants and yeah. <laughs> and, and extreme curves yes. thing. Yes. Um, I photographed a woman that was pregnant mm-hmm. in her home. And my f- favorite image, her her behind looked really curvy. Mm-hmm. She was pregnant. Yes. And so I did a little quick, um, I call it shrinky dink in, mm-hmm. in Photoshop, liquefy. She's Brazilian. Mm. And she, so we were picking and, and she was like, I love that one but my butt looks so small. <laughs> it was like the light went off that, okay, this is an, a, a definite uh, wake-up call to pay yes. attention to yes. different cultures, different countries, different everything. So, yeah. so let's talk about posing. Yes. So posing is, is one of those things that I find um, when I was working with everybody, there is a major difference between how black women, not all black women, because we're not all a monolith, but how black women see our curves and mm-hmm. how we celebrate our curves and, and wanting a bigger, butt. you know, we could slim thick is what they try to, uh, some women try to attain to slim, um, slim thick, slim thick. So you have, like so that. you have the curves. So you might have like a flat stomach, but you have the butt, you have the breast. So your body is almost like an hourglass type of yeah. look. Mm-hmm. Um, so the BBL type of look. And so you will you will get that. Um, and what I found is that like my my black clients, they wanted to show off their body. Like they wanted to show off their butts um, because for them, like that was a sense of pride. Like I have a big butt. And mm-hmm. for my other clients who were not black, that was something like you said, I wanted my butt to look smaller. I want to look smaller. Where my other clients were like, no, I, I really want to showcase my curves. Like my curves are important. Now we all had the same challenges with our stomachs and you know, this uh, this area right here. Yeah. When is it going that, to be where they're having belly and and yeah. uh, call these bingo arms? Belly yeah. and bingo, <laughs> bingo, you know, bingo. Yeah. <laughs> when is that gonna be a popular thing? <laughs> Across across races and everything. That is still a thing for everybody, pretty much. So they did a study on men, Mm -hmm. blind study. Men in general prefer snatched waists. And as a species, thinner waists make it easier for women to carry and have live successful births. Mm, I didn't know that. So there's an actual reptile brain thing that is why, as a species, we think thinner waists are 
good. Mm. So we can, I guess, fight it all we want, but it, you know, that DNA coding. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. So that in that question, go, now we'll go back a little bit to retouching. So yes. would, uh, if someone is like, I, I'm, a, I'm more of a pear shape. Yeah. Uh, so if a black woman is also like my shape, would they still, so would you still do a little bit of posing and keep working on the the waist and yeah and the arms? So posing for me, like I always speak to my clients and I tell them like, I'm not going to make you look like a new person, uh, especially with like the retouching and stuff. So what I do is we focus a lot on the curve of the body, the curvature. Mm-hmm. So um, the hips, especially like poking the hips out or poking the butt out, um, the things that they are, I don't say flaws, I say the parts of the body that they're learning to love. Mm-hmm. So I give them more movement. So say for the breast, I would have them put their hands underneath of their bosoms right. um, and, and doing things like that, especially with the, the uh, lingerie itself, using the lingerie mm-hmm. as again, another way to, if they have, you know, they're not really feeling their, their stomach area. So mm-hmm. using lingerie to sort of camouflage that um, so the eye is drawn up to maybe their breast. Mm-hmm. So that way they are showing more of their breast. And so the eye just automatically comes up the hands and, and using everything that's in my arsenal right. to guide them in that space to say, OK, you are learning to love this part of your body. So let's focus on the parts that you do love. So if you do see that image, you know, imposing, you will still equate that with, I still love my body. Like I still love being because the pose is dynamic. My face is dynamic. And that part of myself that I'm learning to love really doesn't bother me as much because Mm -hmm. I'm looking at myself like this is amazing. Right. Right. I'm waiting for um, double chins to be popular. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've had some conversations uh, in Facebook groups where like somebody posted and said, my client didn't like this and I don't retouch. And Mm. I've said, well, I might've just, just done a little bit to to take your eye away from those areas. And then these were usually younger women. It's like, Oh, how dare you? And it's like, I've spent a lifetime learning to pose and light people. So you see, you see their glow, you see their smile, you see them, or they see themselves in a way that they love. Mm -hmm. And if I don't hit the mark exactly now with digital, I can rescue it a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, I've learned how to stand uh, like in a group. Oh, let's all get a picture. I stand where I'm a little behind somebody with just a quarter of my body. Mm-hmm. So I still look like me. I'm not hiding behind them, but yes. you cut off part of it so that I may not look like, you know, if there's some, like my sister's half my size, but we're the mm-hmm. same height. But I can stand next to her in a way that we, that you don't look at that. You look at, yeah. oh, look at these sisters. They love each other. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I think there's, there's a universal thing. And then. Mm-hmm with black women there's more acceptance of of yeah. curves and i've noticed uh, i was looking on yours and um you probably know leon johnson or yes. know of leon mm-hmm. 
we're good friends. And I've noticed his posing of black women, he'll show more, more thigh that's yeah. a, rather than pushing that all back and and just leaning forward, you know, he celebrates curves mm-hmm. more that I think, oh, Leon, if you were going to pose me, I think we'd need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's, uh, he does such amazing work. He does. He does. He does. Yeah. yeah. I got to coach him when he was because um, I'm a business coach for photographers now after mm-hmm. 40 years in the biz and watching him you know, put this together and, and then just inspire people. It's so fun. That's amazing. Let's see. Okay. So we've talked about posing. Tell me about allyship. Sure. So there are two things when we think about allyship. So there are uh, true allies and then there is a performative allyship. Mm. And so um, what I like to talk about is how not to be a performative ally, because what that tends to do is it tends to the people who you are trying to be an ally with, it tends to just annoy them in a Mm -hmm. way. Um, I'll give you an example. I was watching, which is an example that's in the CCP. We were, I was watching Project Runway and that is one of my favorite shows. I just love the designers. I love what they do. And the season, I think it was season 19. And it was interesting to me because I felt like that was the season where they really got it right with the editing when it pertained to race, especially yeah. race in America, because they've done it before. They've done it before, but it, it was always sort of sugarcoated in a way. Mm-hmm. And and I've been watching it since the, its inception. Same. And so, Same. listen, I, that's one of my favorite I love it. Shows. I loved the this last season of the Oscars. Yes. Oh. yes. I, I absolutely <laughs> Now I want to go back and watch it. It's really one of my favorites. Yeah. But it was so interesting because there was a moment where um, Prajay is, um, was speaking about how he wanted to have a black model because he's a Haitian. Uh, I was going to say Haitian American. He's not Haitian American. He's just Haitian. And mm-hmm. he wanted the black model. But he was saying that he didn't get the person that he wanted. And he felt bad because the look that he was going for had a lot of Haitian culture in it. And then it was a white woman who was, I don't remember her name off the top of my head because she left. I remember she left. And what she was trying to say is, I know how it is, you know, as a woman, how it can be when people are not listening to you and they need to give you the respect that you earned. And she just continuously kept going and going and going. And he was over it. Like he had, he's like, I need to work. I need to focus. I need to work. And he expressed that. Like, it just felt like she just continued to go but there was no end in sight because she wanted to be the star of the show and she wanted to be the star of this discrimination type of thing. And it came to a head because she had an Asian model and there was another guy there that was also an Asian um, designer and he wanted Mm -hmm. her model and he was afraid to ask her. And so he finally went over, I think, um, I forget the guy, the host's name, um, Christian, I think went over yeah. and asked her mm-hmm. and you could tell she was upset, but she did it anyway. But the way that she continuously came after him after that was really like, what just happened? Because you were before you were an ally yeah. and talking about how you wanted him to have that black model because you understood. And now this person is coming and saying, you know, would you be willing to trade with me because I'm an Asian man and I would really like since this is about my culture to have your model, would you be okay? And she made it into something that was much larger than it should have been. 
Mm-hmm. And it became about her and not about this person's heritage. And that to me was very performative because in one hand, she was speaking to Prajay about, oh, you know, it's always this. And as a woman, I understand. And, but then it became, this is about me. Why are you talking to me like this? And cursing at the other um, designer. And it was a very much, now I'm going to cry because my feelings are hurt and no one is understanding what I'm going through because my feelings are hurt. So it became about her. And then she left. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was that that's pretty much what it is. Formative. So how yeah. how because I I know I'm guilty of that in my <laughs> yeah. life. You know, I like I wish there was a button that would say, I really am an ally and I have been my whole life. Yes. And, you know, and I continue to grow to not say stupid things or <laughs> You know, like I wish mm-hmm. there was some little like a card where we could take a test <laughs> and hand it to you and you'd be like, oh, OK. And she knows what she doesn't know. And, yes. you know, the end of it, because it is that like, I think because mm-hmm. I more every day understand or at least I think I do that being in the world with black skin. Yes. You just don't know if people are what they're thinking, what their biases yeah. are, what their understanding is. Are you safe? Are you yes. safe emotionally? Am I? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly this. Yes. And so I'm an ally. I'm glad ally has become a word. Yes. But anyway, so if someone was photographing a person of color, mm-hmm. what would it look like to be an ally rather than performative? I think the biggest thing is is understanding your, like with all clients, understanding the person that you are shooting, especially in boudoir, their story and what they're trying to portray with their story in boudoir. Um, and I say that because a lot of my clients, especially when I'm, when I'm out and about and I'm teaching, I hear a lot of, especially with white women, when they're shooting, their, their clients want to be powerful. Their clients want to show that power, whereas mm-hmm. for my black clients, they don't want to show that power because they already have that. They, they have yeah. to do that on a daily basis. So what they're really trying to get to is I want to be soft. I want to show mm-hmm. my softness. I want to show uh, femininity if that's what they're going for. I want to show a different side of myself outside of what I have to do on a daily basis. And power doesn't come into that at all. Being fierce maybe like in a Beyonce type of Sasha Fierce sort of way with like the makeup and the hair, but not really showing that and being sexy on their own terms mm-hmm. and understanding that it's okay to be sexy and it's okay to show that sexiness in a way where you're not being demeaned, where you are not um, in a way where you're trying to figure out like, this is wrong. I, I, that's a big thing for a lot of my clients because for us, a lot of the the shame comes in with how our bodies are set up. Like we, like they say, stacks. You know, we have a bigger bottom, we have a bigger chest, and so sometimes when you are out and about, like they have the adultification of young girls. So a lot of the young girls, since they were teenagers or even before that, their bodies are seen as an adult's body, and so mm-hmm. they kind of try to take that ownership of their body, but it can be frightening because, you know, people have always looked at you as if you were an adult, but you're not. And so now they, they sort of disconnected from that. 
And so it's like my body is here, but I'm, I'm just doing what I have to do to get through the day. I'm doing what I have to do to get through these moments. Right. And so that plays into, um, I don't really know how my body is supposed to feel or move or be sexy because someone else took that from me when I was younger because mm-hmm. they thought I was older than what I was. Right. And so now I want to take that back. I want to take my ownership of my body. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with showing I'm powerful. It has more of an internal space where I, I want to be this person. This is important to me to show this for myself. That I'm going to think about that a lot because I, that's so, yeah, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, and no problem. That's so interesting. I was a sociology, social science major in college. So the demographics of this is fascinating. My head is spinning with that, with this. Um, yeah, I want to encourage anyone who's listening, whoever puts together events, uh, podcasts, you name it, to be intentional about having people in, of color as a part of it. And yes, mm-hmm. there's not as many of you to find. So it takes some work. Yeah. I was excited at, at WPPI. Have you been to? Yeah. Yes. That uh, demographically that it's much more balanced than it has in forever. And so it was easier for me when Leon was, was uh, standing around with a bunch of friends. I was like, Hey, Leon, who should be on my show? (laughs) And so I got Jason Marino and, yes. uh, you know, lots of the fun people that were there. I went to a weekend workshop about coaching, but mm-hmm. a core of it was about inclusiveness. Yes. And, and um, it just opened my eyes to the fact that we need to not just whoever happens to be around that you've heard of and that's referred, but but seek out people that are not um, as like out there in the world getting mm-hmm. attention, including women. I still yes. am shocked that most panels of professional photographers of America's judges are mostly men. And, you know, I hate I like women's perspectives on things. I have, so any other hot tips that you might think, oh, I wish I'd had a chance to chat about this. Um, I would really say when you are getting into this space, because one of the things that I, I do find is when you talk about working with black clients, especially with like the marketing piece when people want to get black clients, what they'll do is they'll say, I'm looking for women of color and, or they'll say BIPOC. And to me, BIPOC, B-I-P-O-C. So black indigenous people of color. Okay. Yes. It's BIPOC. Got it. So that's the new term. Yes. So they come up with new terms. And what I find is that like, as a Black person, I don't call myself BIPOC. I don't even call myself a person of color because there's a difference. There's a difference between being a Black person and being a person of color because uh. anti-Blackness is well within um, people of color. 
So that's why when when it when it comes up, like when I'm talking to people that I'm even mentoring and I say, you know, if you are looking for a black client, just say I'm looking for black clients, because if you say people of color, a lot of black people may not understand what you're what you're trying to get at, because if you say people of color, it's just like, oh, I'm looking for everybody who's not white. And so I always tell people be direct, like if you are looking for a black woman size two X to do X, Y, and Z, then just say that. It's okay to say that. Like, it's mm-hmm. fine. Just say it so that way you get exactly who you are trying to go for instead of getting someone that you just did not want to get in the first place. I think that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That that clears that up for me a lot <laughs> because, it, yeah, because, yes, I've been looking for more people of color to be on my show. Especially mm-hmm. black people. That's yes. what, so I, yeah. I said that in a way that would clarify yeah. like, to you if you were gonna refer me. Oh, exactly. she wants more black people on her show. Hey, I know some great people to send her way. And if I said people of color, you'd be like, hmm, does she mean and I can give you like, a list of names? Filipinos too, and yeah, and Native Americans and to just say what what you want and say what you're looking for, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, so do you have any marketing ideas <laughs> for specifically reaching black women? I think the biggest thing, um, one thing that always comes to mind is that when people shoot black women, they don't want to show their pictures. And that could be for a number of reasons. That could be because of church. That could be mm. because um, when it comes to how people view our bodies, it can be even it can be over sexualized. Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing is you have to see who's in your community. And and if you don't have any black friends, I think that's one one thing that you should be open to. Like, oh, I just realized like I want to shoot people, but I have no idea where to find black people. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what I'm doing. So I think the, the, the core thing is to understand why you want to shoot more black clients. I think that's the the most important thing. What is the reason why? Mm. Um, Because what I find is that if you have black people in your portfolio, then you will more than likely get more black people to come to you. Cause if we usually see one, we're like, okay, this person sort of knows what they're doing. I'm going to check mm-hmm. them out. I'm going to see what they have going on for them. So I think that's the first thing is you have to look at your community. Do you, are you in community um, with other people who don't look like you? Yeah. And if not, then maybe you need to take stock of like, wow, I only have, you know, when I would say this, when I used to do weddings, whenever I would go to all white weddings, they were all white people. There was no one of color at all, mm-hmm. unless the person, it was someone that they worked with. So they weren't really a friend. They were more of an acquaintance. And it was the opposite. When I went to, I had Pakistani weddings. I had black weddings, Mexican weddings. Like it was a different thing where they had people who were actually friends that they, you know, outside of work that they actually know that were coming to that wedding. So I think that's, that's one thing to, to think about, like who is in your community? Can you go to events where you get to know people, where you're open to who they are as a person? Mm-hmm. And having conversation. And then from there, you know, talk to them about what they are doing with their body, how they feel about their body. And then ask them, you know, I I am a photographer. Would you be interested? But really get to know them as a person first instead of just coming to them like, I want to shoot you. Like, would you be open to it? Right. And and get to know them um, 
And then from there, you can do it, especially being in a lot of the groups that are around. Like there are so many on Facebook, it's, it's a thousands of thousands of groups. So if you go in and just start talking to people and getting to know them and understanding what they're looking for. And then from there, you can say, hey, you know, I'm a photographer. I'm looking for um, black models to shoot. Even within that, pay models, like pay mm-hmm. black models to mm-hmm. actually come and be a model for you. Because then you know that you're getting someone who understands what they're doing. You don't have to worry about getting a model release because this person understands like I'm here for a paid job and I'm doing the, the work that I'm being paid for. So that's always a big thing. Like if you can't find anybody, just pay a model to come and do it. Oh, that's like, duh. <laughs> but but I wouldn't think of it, you know. I'm not yeah. saying does you just shouldn't have said that. I'm it's like one of those head slap, oh, why didn't I think of that? Mm-hmm. I could when when I was one time realizing my portfolio with children, yeah, was pretty darn white. Yes. You know, I there are baby models in yeah. all in all shades and being intentional about that, that then would, um, then people would look at the portfolio and say, oh, yeah, she knows how to photograph people with dark skin and she knows all the things. So yeah, just like with um, photographing same-sex couples. Yeah. Somebody could have hired two handsome dudes. (laughs) You you could, you really could. Like, it it seems not something you would think about, but it really is like just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so the why and my, my first thought is it feels to me like it's a pretty untapped market. Yeah. Like when I started, um, so I did weddings for 12 years and then I switched to children and it was a completely open field because all the dudes we're doing family portraits and mm-hmm. commercial work because they weren't Aunt Lucy. I'm Aunt Lucy with yep. all the kids. <laughs> and it was so easy to get work because there was either Olin Mills and Sears or yes. the best photographers in San Diego um, at the time that was teaching. He said a good portrait of a child is luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no. No, it's not. <laughs> like it's yeah. understanding children. It's th- knowing what their bodies are doing, knowing what's going on in their brains at different ages and stages. So, so niches that are untapped, mm-hmm. I think that uh, you can almost write your own ticket if you do it right. And if you're. You can. You definitely can. Yeah. You definitely can. I'm sure if you lived in. Um, I don't know, some town where there's maybe two black people in the whole town, mm-hmm. <laughs> you might need to reach out or move or travel or th- think through that. But if you're in a community where there's a population of, you know, uh, the the Spanish-speaking Spanish yes. heritage people, Mexican heritage in San Diego, that's an untapped market. And I find, like, quinceañeras, someone could clean up doing quinceañeras Mm -hmm. if they love that you know figuring out who's in the community and what the needs are so well gosh I hope we get to hang out in 
where is it? Louisville, Kentucky? Yes, I will be there. Yeah. I just will be there. conversation. And thank you for being so frank. Because, you know, course. as a white person, there's always <laughs> that we don't. Yeah, you've clarified uh, languaging. You've clarified a lot of things for me that are questions that I have. And I, if I have them, I imagine my audience has them. And yes. I get that that's kind of your, you you heard the call. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there is a need in our community for what you have to share. Not, so there's a need with the women and then there's a need with photographers. And I love how you've yes. merged those. So um, I have two questions for you. And one, I know you have something special, a gift for our listeners. So what would that be and how can they find it? So there is a checklist. It's called the culture checklist and it goes through a few different things. So education, representation, sensitivity, communication and language. And it allows you really to understand the work that you need to do as an ally to just be there for the people who need it the most, like what I call the global majority and Mm. understand your role in this. And they, you can get it uh, if you go to info at the Kono, T-H-E-C-O-N-O.com. I will send you a link so you can have it for yourself. And it's a digital asset. Awesome. Well, I'll be sending you the request for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the last question is, uh, I want to give you the floor to either share something that, that you think, oh, I wish... I'd had a minute to share that or some other parting thought. So what you got? I would say the biggest thing is to be open to hearing people's stories. Many times we are stuck in our ways because we feel, especially if we're of a certain age, that we've lived life, that we know the stories, we know these things. And so we don't want to hear from other people and how they live their life, especially when it comes to race and racism. And you you have to be willing to listen to people's stories and try to to really understand where they're coming from. And that plays a major role in how we deal with each other. Because if you you can hear my story and just say, that can't, that can't be right. Because I know that such and such would not do this, or Mm -hmm. I've been in this store and this never happens to me. Mm -hmm. And really understand, like, it's not a moment for you to be defensive. It's a moment for you to show empathy and to listen and to, at times, just be silent. Like, don't be the Mm -hmm. main character. And, and just be there and, and hold space for that person. I think that's the most important thing. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for sharing so much of your story. I'm imagining that all over the globe, people are, are more aware of things they never even thought about. So yes. I appreciate you a lot, Alicia. And I look forward to giving you a big hug yes. at Louisville PPA. Yes, I can. And just hanging out and having a great conversation. Yes, I'm I'm definitely excited. And thank you Uh, for having me. You're welcome. So here we are with the little quick wrap up. And I want you to know that Alicia is going to send me a link that you can click on to get that that, uh, free gift. And so look in the show notes and everywhere that you find this podcast or YouTube video, there are some show notes. So let's see, quick wrap up, if I can do that. Uh, 
That was such a great conversation. And I really appreciate Alicia, um, you know, what she's doing to help educate people in an area that some of us need some education. (laughs) So let's see. We talked about, oh, the things we need to know as photographers if we're photographing Black women. So one is that we need a hair and makeup person that understands textured hair and makeup for the rainbow of skin tones and other pigmentations that need to be addressed with Black women. Number two, there's things we need to know about retouching. We don't want to wash people out. We need to learn how to deal with some of the hyperpigmentation um, presets can make people go orange or the dark and moody people can be very dark. And so those are important things to um, manage. Then number three, we talked about posing and that there's some major differences. Uh, black women like their curves more than white women or light-skinned women in general. And there's posing and lighting that can really bring out, you know, the features that that will be appreciated. We talked about number four, being intentionally inclusive and some ideas on how to attract Black people and people of color. And we talked about allyship and how to be an ally and not be performing. And I I think that is a is a deep conversation to have over over coffee or drinks or something uh, to understand that even more. Um, But basically listening to people's stories. And we talked a little about marketing. And number one was, if we want to photograph Black women, find a way to get Black women photographed and in our portfolios, uh, hire models if needed. So thank you again for listening. I really love this conversation and I hope you do too. I hope there's been some ahas that you're going to carry with you. And I look forward to meeting some other cool people and sharing them with you as well. So, ta-ta for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.